Hello and welcome to this BowlersDesk.com political podcast with me, Matt Bowler, and Rick Epps, San Diego's political professor. This time we sat down and talked about some local politics. There's a local political commission that I think should be kind of outed for their immature behavior. And we talked Ukraine and Crimea. Rick had made some predictions in the past that came true. And now we looked into his crystal ball and see to see what he saw for the future of that region and what that meant for the United States, what that meant for us. As always, if you have... Whoa! That's my son in the background. If you have any... Uh, uh, if you want to get on top of your political political soapbox, you can do that by hopping on ours. Man, let's see if I get that right. If you want to hop on your political soapbox, you can do that by hopping on ours. There we go. Just call 619-663-4531. 619-663-4531. Remember to listen... Post, repost, and share. Enjoy. Okay, so this time, hollow. I feel like I sound really hollow where I'm at. Um, yeah, you do sound a little bit hollow, but that's okay. That's okay. You know, um, you know, I'm in one of the one of the empty empty study rooms here at, in downtown San Diego, and Rick Epps is joining me over the phone. So, How you doing, bud? <laughs> I'm good. Wish I could be down there with you. Wish I, we haven't done this in a while, so at least for me. But, I know it's been a while. It's been a while. You know, the election, the 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 mayor's election ended, and then and then we just kind of um, kind of took a break, took like a little vacation. I did one other one in between then and now, but still, been sort of a been a lot of time off. Yeah, I think our fans would be happy to hear know we're back. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, it's weird to think that there are there are other people in the world besides you and I that listen to this. <laughs> kind of, I know it is, a it is weird, but people people are into this, which is nice to hear. It's always nice yeah, when somebody is. goes, "Oh, hey, I, I I heard that from from you guys." And it's always weird to hear in a politician's press conference, and you can tell they're kind of referencing something that that we talked about. That I, that you know, it's, at least I like to think that they took from listening to us. So. That's yeah, they probably did. I think they think they got what they got their stuff from us. Definitely. All the good ideas. Yeah, yep. yeah. We only have good ideas. Any of the bad ideas are other people's fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to start with today. There was a cool. There was an interesting thing that happened today. Um, City Council has their salary setting commission, uh-huh. and today the city salary setting commissioner, Chairman uh, Bob Otilly. He is going to say that for the first time in the commission's 41-year history, he's going to recommend no adjustments be made to the city council people or the mayor's salary. Now, the mayor makes $100,000 a year. A councilman earns $75,000 a year. Now, his reasoning for this is because this, he has made recommendations for the city council to give themselves a pay raise, and they've turned it down in the past for political reasons, and his reasoning is, well, they've turned it down in the past, so why should I bother giving them a rec- we should bother giving them a recommendation now? It, it's so juvenile, in a way. Why should we even well, bother giving them a recommendation for a raise, cost of living raise now, because they've just politicized everything that we do, and it's, it's so wrong on so many levels. This is the quote that gets me, and it just kind of shows how out of touch this guy is with the rest of San Diego. He says, we pay 
we pay so little that only the people that can afford to take a job as a council member or a mayor, someone who doesn't earn $75,000 a year, a young person with very little experience who's willing to devote his career to, to, to low income or the wealthy. So we leave out everyone in between, all the talented folks. So what he's saying is, is that all of the talented folks in the private sector clearly make over $75,000 a year. <laughs> and that and that nobody else is going to run for office. So this is why I'm not even going to bother. It's just a real juvenile, infantile way of of responding to this. It's it's dumb on so many levels. First off, of well, course. What was funny about it? You know what's funny about it? They actually tried. The original proposal was to raise their salary by hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. You know, it was one hundred twenty-five thousand for the city council and two hundred thirty-five thousand for the mayor. Yeah. And. Uh, I like what David Alvarez said, which was he thought it was a joke that he even voted on it. You know, they were voting for this, that there nobody ran on the council, the city council to get rich. And, uh, you know, it's not the type of job, but $75,000 a year is still decent money. That's decent money. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. This guy, this guy pissed me off so much when I read this because it's like, look, the AMI for a family of four in San Diego is like $71,000 a year. And that's with two adults working full time. Yeah. You know, and those people most likely, you know, a lot of people in San Diego go to college. A lot of people make that kind of money, work full time, and don't and and don't even make the seventy five thousand dollar a year mark. It just seems oh, like no. this guy is so out of touch with what people make and how much it costs to live here. And maybe he should be more concerned about that than yeah. than. Well, I thought the funny thing about it is here's the funny thing about this: seven hundred seventy five thousand dollars a year probably be it upper-middle-class salary here in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, you know, and that's, a, know, that's, that's working class. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I, yeah, yeah, that's the sad thing, is that the cost of living here is so out of, out of whack with what it costs yeah. to live here. That well, also that this guy, day, this guy yeah. would get pissed off that, that, that politicians' salaries would be politicized. For him to actually be upset that politicians' salaries would be politicized is... is is ridiculous unto itself. It's like, of course they're politicized. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's kind of crazy to play that political game right now. It's like the timing couldn't be worse than, especially after coming through what we've just come through, and just to kind of get back on our feet and get back to business. And now it's like, for this, this is your first order of business. I need you to take that money and fix my game, my street. We should fix my yeah. street. Yeah, <laughs> and the orange okay. potholes that I have all up and down the street. <laughs> Yeah, and of, you know, and you know what? Of course, and and of course, they're all going to vote against it, you know. And this is this is giving that um, new bell ordinance um, some some attention, right? The bell yeah. ordinance is where they want to say, okay, well, if you vote in a pay raise, it won't come into effect until the next term, um, which is fine, you know. That seems fine by me, you know. This way, a lot of most of the city council people are out of there because we have term limits, and so they won't they won't get to enjoy that pay raise. Anyhow, so if they do vote in a race, it won't affect well, the crazy, but, but the crazy thing about it, you think about it, I mean, most people, when they get an annual raise or any constantly increases, in the short, the best of days is about 5%. You know, if you get 10%, that'd be like magnanimous, right, for most, for most normal human beings. Yeah. And then they're, they're talking about, you know, over 100, over 100% yeah. increase in yeah. power, like 125, 130% yeah. increase in power. Yeah, and and that the people aren't, and that these jobs aren't competitive. And it's like you look at our last our last mayor's race. What do you mean this job isn't competitive? You yeah. know, and that we're not getting the most talent. I don't think that it would matter if we paid a half million dollars a year for this mayor, our mayor's job, or a hundred thousand dollars a year. I think we'd have the same people running. Yeah, absolutely. 
exactly because there's some money behind them. Not so much them. There's some money behind them. Yeah, yeah, and it's never really about that position anyhow. Well, plus you think about it this way: most of them also have private ventures and private interests, so it's because of maybe their salary. Most of them, and it, and it you know translates into you know the best breakout. So they, and not that it's not a full time job, but it's, it's it's a full time job, but it's not a full time job. Yeah, you know, in yeah. some ways. Yeah. So you know. So it's 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 a it's a it's a decent, fair, reasonable salary. Is it fair for San Diego? Well, you know, one could argue that maybe it's a, for you know if you're trying to if you're trying to make it a middle class job and you try to figure that with the median middle class salary of San Diego cost of living doesn't fit the criteria. Well, well, you know what? Probably, and, and, San Diego probably does. Yeah, but for this guy to get upset, he actually ended up going on PBS and he's been all over the place complaining that no one's paying enough attention to him. For him to get upset at this is ridiculous. Exactly. He should be saying, look, you know, this is what I think they should be paid. This is what I think the cost of living in San Diego is. And then, and then just kind of accepting that. And then they can use that to work towards maybe helping everyone in the city earn the money they should be earning for the job they do. Yeah, you know? absolutely. You know, yeah. for him to kind of be petty, well, you're not going to pay attention to me anyhow, so I'm just going to I'm just gonna say, say don't do anything because it doesn't matter what I do. It just comes off so, so juvenile. And, and, and well, it really pissed me off. <laughs> well, the funny thing about it, the city council, the, the city council members are also they know politically it's a good time to shut up or not talk or not or not. They suggest that it's a positive step too, because that would be that would be a huge debacle. Oh yeah, can you imagine the, the 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 political blowback on that if they all gave themselves 110 yeah. percent raises? I mean, seriously. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, I think it's crazy. Yeah, no one would, no one would, uh, uh, <laughs> they, yeah, no one would would take them seriously after that. It, it would yeah. be people would be drummed out of office pretty quickly. They, you can, I, you know, I can already hear the, the the calls for recall on the idea that you would give yourself a hundred and ten percent raise. It's just, it's just yeah. ridiculous. This guy, this guy. I mean, it's like, look, the salary setting commission needs to be there, but at the same time, they need to accept kind of the realities of the city, and it just shows how out of touch. These these lawyers are that get appointed to these positions, and yeah, how out of touch they are yeah. out of touch they are with the, with the rest of the city. It's just, it's unbelievable. Oh, absolutely! You know? No, absolutely, completely out of touch. I mean, completely out of touch. I mean, the city council members are city workers. And they, that's a pretty good. They, they make you know, that's a salary. Yeah. If you look at the, the cost of what our salaries of city managers and some of the leadership in the city of San Diego, it's it's probably it's, it's within proximity. You know, and yeah. so, I mean, some of the, some of the jobs get a little more than others, but I mean, for for what they do, I think you know. You know, I mean, that, I mean, at some point they should not get a raise. No, of course not. Everybody deserves a raise at some point. But at this point, it's really the timing's bad, and the politicization of it is really terrible. Yeah, just, you know, and that's the part I dislike. And uh, I think he used it. You know, he used it for his own political platform. Yeah, I wonder if this what this really guy's ulterior motives are, right? Yeah, yeah. We should have him. We should have him on our next podcast. Yeah, I'm sure he'll jump right on it now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. Well, after that, let's let's switch over to the Ukraine. That's probably the hottest topic here. Um, yeah, you know what? I hate being. You know, it's funny. I much as I enjoy being right, I hate being right about this. You know, <laughs> this is one of those things that you know I had mentioned on the news. You know, on, on, uh, you know last week about the idea that they, you know, that the country could break up. You know, and, uh, and yeah, <laughs> lo and behold. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the only, almost the only way to avoid war is to, is to divide this, divide the, the country up. And, uh, Which is yeah. weird. I mean, can we? Should 
we be looking at the world and dividing it up, dividing up democracies based on cultural identity? I mean, we don't do that in the United States. That seems to be no, a bigger question here. about the nature, of, the nature of how we see the nature of democracy in the world. Right. Well, here's the thing about this. It's interesting. When you think about uh, after the end of the Cold War and think about what happened in Yugoslavia and Czechoslovakia, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, you had two countries that have been subdivided for the second time in their, in their last 50 years, 60 years. Yep. And, uh, you know, and, and the reality of most of it was division along ethnic lines. And uh, and that's really the, the crux of the issue. The, the question is, at this point, I think it gets complicated for us regarding our, our foreign policy and how much pressure we can really bring to bear on Russia. Yeah. When when the Crimean people have already, you know, voted to secede themselves. Yeah, but that would be like if themselves. Northern California decided to vote to secede, you know? Yeah, I but mean, if you look at it through our eyes, and, you know, we're, we're you know, we're, you know, we're, we're a republic, and... Uh, the question is whether our view of that picture, you know, resonates. But are these Crimean are these Crimeans or are these Russians that were imported, you know, as the result well, of a, essentially an, an earlier occupation, right? And they that, that would be an interesting thing to 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 to, to, to analyze would be to figure out, you know, of the demographic within the Crimea, which is you know, the, the peninsula, almost like almost an island. If you would, really. mm-hmm. It is. So, yeah, it it's got a little isthmus connecting it, but. Yeah, but it's really it's almost an item. It's where all the where all the rich Russians and all the military oligarchs and all lived and hung out. Uh, well, it'd be like know, if Sicily voted to secede from Italy. Exactly. Exactly. You know, yeah. Sicilians so, see themselves as unique culturally, but exactly. you know Italy would never let them secede. You know, but, but the is this but is, is this really more about NATO expansion? Well, that's the that's the that's the that's, that's one of the many questions that has to be answered is you know, because the, you know the, the role of NATO, the role of Russia, what's Russia's strategic interest here? Is it you know is it is it uh, is it really about the Crimean people? You know, but what I'm what I was saying to say earlier, I think it's interesting to find out, interesting to take, to find out, you know, the, the, the demographic of uh, Crimea, how many of them are really pro this this sort of secession, or whether is there is there a significant number of them that do not want to secede, and if so, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, you know, here's here's what's going to probably happen: that those who don't want to be part of, the, you know, the, the Russian Republic or Federation, rather, are probably going to have to relocate to another part of Ukraine. That the other part of the question that gets complicated here is what happens to Eastern Ukraine? Is that going to also end up going to Russia? Because a lot of you know people in Eastern Ukraine are also, or do they just expand expand the Crimea to to cover more area and then to pull those people in too? So that the territorial boundaries shift. And if they do, then what, that, what does that leave for Ukraine itself? Which yeah. probably be, you know, Here, let's you know. let's let's play. I guess this is, this this is Obama's last sort of official talk on the Ukraine. Here, let's play this. It came up last week. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, before Jay takes some of your questions, I want to provide a brief update on our efforts to address the ongoing crisis in Ukraine. Since the Russian intervention, uh, we've been mobilizing the international community to condemn this violation of international law, and to support the people and government of Ukraine. This morning, I signed an executive order that authorizes sanctions on individuals and entities responsible for violating the sovereignty and territorial integrity of Ukraine or for stealing the assets of the Ukrainian people. According to my guidance, the State Department has also put in place restrictions on the travel of certain individuals and officials. These decisions continue our efforts to impose a cost on Russia. 
and those responsible for the situation in Crimea. And they also give us the flexibility to adjust our response going forward based on Russia's actions. We took these steps in close coordination with our European allies. I've spoken to several of our closest friends around the world, and I'm pleased that our international unity is on display at this important moment. Already we've moved together to announce substantial assistance for the government in Kiev. And today in Brussels, our allies took similar steps to impose costs on Russia. I am confident that we are moving forward together, united in our determination to oppose actions that violate international law and to support the government and people of Ukraine. And that includes standing up for the principle of state sovereignty. The proposed referendum on the future of Crimea would violate the Ukrainian Constitution and violate international law. Any discussion about the future of Ukraine must include the legitimate government of Ukraine. In 2014, we are well beyond the days when borders can be redrawn over the heads of democratic leaders. While we take these steps, uh, I want to be clear that there is also a way to resolve this crisis that respects the interests of the Russian Federation, as well as the Ukrainian people. Let international monitors into all of Ukraine, including Crimea, to ensure the rights of all Ukrainians are being respected, including ethnic Russians. Begin consultations between the government of Russia and Ukraine with the participation of the international community. Russia would maintain its basing rights in Crimea, provided that it abides by its agreements and respects Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity. And the world should support the people of Ukraine as they move to elections in May. That's the path of de-escalation. And Secretary Kerry is engaged in discussions with all of the relevant parties, including Russia and Ukraine, to pursue that path. But if this violation of international law continues, the resolve of the United States and our allies and the international community will remain firm. Meanwhile, we've taken steps to reaffirm our commitment to the security and democracy of our allies in Eastern Europe and to support the people of Ukraine. All right. So then he goes on to, you know, a little bit more rhetoric. But I think he brought up some really interesting points there. Um, the the first one is is like the government that's in power there was the government that was legitimately elected. So Ukraine had an election. They voted in this guy, and that's the guy that they want. And then and then the people made that decision, right? I yeah. mean. They're the, they made the decision. They, they wanted to side a little bit more with the euro than they did with, with Russia. So it's, it's, yep. it's, it's not like this didn't already happen. And so, you know, to divide up the country regionally so that Putin can say, oh, well, these people are voting more with me or agree more with me, therefore I want them. You know, that'd be like if we divided it up, the, the Gore-Bush and went, oh, well, Florida went more with Bush, therefore we should, they, they should go with, they should be able to go with, with, with Bush for the election because they went more with Bush as opposed to saying, well, the whole country had an election, here's the winner, here's the loser, and then moving on. Well, but, you know, but this, this is sort of an interesting uh, paradox because think about, think about how our own presidential elections run, right? We have, 
you know, it's, you know, we only have two states where it is basically based on the numbers of percentage of vote, where the other one is it's all winner take all in 48 mm-hmm. of the state. And that means you're taking basically taking uh, in every single state those whoever wins all the all those votes that are completely against that one other individual and shoving them into the to the hands of the other, of the other individual who they may completely ideologically disagree with. And that can be whether it's free to be forty nine to fifty versus fifty one percent. I mean, it can be just that you know that close. And so, consequently, all those votes, you know, we sort of swallow the Kool Aid, if you would, because we allow that to happen instead of having to be proportional. You know, which personally, if you ask me, I think it'd be much fairer, or just go to a popular vote and call it a day. But uh, so we we do this all the time and just make decisions based on you know the winner take all. So the question is going to be come March sixteenth, there's a referendum that's on the table at the Crimea. And, uh, yeah, but the issue then, then for Putin and the Russians is who gets to vote in this referendum, right? Exactly. We're so gonna, he only he that, only I mean, wants people that agree with him to be able to vote. <laughs> well, but that's I mean, this is typical. But this is you know, face it, this is typical Russian politics. I mean, especially as you know, run by the mob and Russian mob and, and the oil oligarchs, natural gas oligarchs, and uh, and the few leftover guys from the Cold War. That's who runs Russia. And uh, consequently, the policies that we sort of we we sort of associate with democratic values really don't apply. And you know, Russia really is this just this side of being a failed state. If it wasn't for the oil and the natural gas, uh, Russia would really be. It was actually after the end of the Cold War, almost became a part of almost like a third world country uh, until the to the oil reserves and the natural gas reserves started generating income for them. So. But on the psychological level, you could almost see where, you know, this this is not a surprise in terms of the game that Putin's playing. And ideologically, it's, you know, they've always, I guess they've always had their foot on Ukraine's neck. Nothing unusual there. I mean, for the last almost 100 years, they've had their foot on Ukraine's neck. They've, they've decimated the Ukrainian economy, uh, and they've done this to you know, try and bring political pressure so they could take, you know, take some of their strategic position and valuable resources. And now it's coming home to roost. And... Uh, this is, uh, you know, I've looked at, and again, the, the question is, do, can we publicly say to cry the lack of democratic uh, democratic process? Well, of course we can. Is it, is it, the question is, how far should we, how far should we go in, into this endeavor? Or is it, should we just make our voices known and our displeasure? Or do we try and push the agenda further which, by creating sanctions, which we can certainly do, and that would certainly hurt them. But... At the end of the day, you know, you know, I have several friends in Ukraine, especially in the Kiev area, and uh, you know, there's some who are not happy about it. One of them, their family lives near the Crimea; they don't live in the Crimea, right near the border area. So they're concerned about having to maybe relocate because of the situation. And uh, but this is nothing that um, this is. I mean, this is a political. It's a political. Much I think it's more political than it is even in terms of military. Uh, this is a much more political issue. Yeah, do you think do you think Putin really gives a shit about about the ethnic Russians, or are they just it's just a handy propaganda tool? Absolutely, it's a handy propaganda tool. It's an easy one too, though. It's an easy yeah. one to pull. You know, um, it's 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 uh, and the thing is, we have to we have to unfortunately sort of separate our own sort of values and mindset about these issues uh, uh, to be able to. To kind of look at it through a different lens, and that's hard for us because we we're not we haven't been socialized with their way way of life. Mm-hmm. But um, the way of life in Ukraine is is, is hard. It's the, the incomes are low, and Russia keeps them low, and 
it, it really is a, for it's, it, it's really blighted and has been continually blighted by Russia. And we've all this time we've never helped it before. So now so we don't like because Russia's making the push forward that we want to go in and be able to say how terrible it is. But we could have helped a long time ago if we had chose to. Yeah. Do, do you and, uh, do you think now is a good time for us to do this because the summertime is coming up? We're coming out of winter, right? Um, yeah. At least in in the the, the northern hemisphere, right? Yeah, and, not, not San Diego, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure, right? But you know, the dependence on Russian oil is going to drop because the need is going to drop. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you don't you're not going to freeze to death in the spring or summertime, and then with these sanctions in line. Do you think the Russians are going to care if it's harder for them to get the kind of consumable goods that they're used to getting from the West? Or will they simply no, just turn to China and just get all their stuff from there? Exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> you know, whatever they can take, they can just work with China and get to go to the back door and get what they need, at least in the short term. Now, of course, the Chinese are going to do that without some favors from them as well. So well, that would, what, the, what the United States should be concerned about is that it would be a growing uh uh, Chinese-Russian uh, type of security agreement or economic agreement, that would be a, that would be a great concern. Now, of course, we could actually hurt the Chinese with that because we have, you know, we are their economy for the most part, and we have been a big part of their economy. That's the growth. Now, if they can diversify their asset, which would be a smart move for them, then that's so much the better, but diversifying with Russia, other than oil and natural gas, would not be a good ploy because they don't have, Russia doesn't have enough resources to make it work the while, I don't believe. Uh, but certainly it creates a problem. It, but for us, just in terms of the security and also economics, uh, if, if Chinese decide to back Russia on this issue and, and come to their rescue, if you would. What's the, you know, the right is just kind of, their tact is always just blame Obama for everything, um, which is kind of a weird Tact because a lot of times their criticisms aren't don't don't amount to much, but their approach has always been just blame Obama, um, yeah. for whatever it is. Um, you know what I mean? You stub your toe, blame Obama. Um, but compare the Ukraine now with Georgia, and how George Bush reacted. You know, I mean, a lot yeah. of people are making drawing those parallels and going, look, economic sanctions, working with European allies. Um, you know, uh, uh, visa bans, asset freezes, those are really the only things we can do because we're not going to go to war with Russia over Crimea. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So this is the and only nobody, thing. Nobody, and nobody wants it to happen, really. I mean, it's, I mean, we can pontificate, we can make all kinds of other statements, and we can certainly, you know, bring some pressure to bear. At the end of the day, though, it really, we have no, we really don't have any control over the situation. We really don't. And we have very little. We have very little leg to stand on with regard to it, too. I mean, we just don't. It's, just, it's really. This is one of those things that's that's really almost out of our hands in many ways. Now, the, you know, the UN can certainly bring brought up. You know, they can sign a big light on it and bring a lot of you know, creative international backlash that hopefully would allow for them to be squeezed economically in some ways. But do but, you think? Uh, do you think the Russians care? I mean, because look, the people in charge aren't going to suffer. You know, no, so not at do, all. do you think no, the people, people in Russia will suffer as always? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you think that the, the the people in charge care whether or not the what the plebes of Russia can get the things or uh, have the lifestyle that that they were promised? Do you think they give a shit whether or not they suffer? Um, I know Putin doesn't give a shit. But other than the fact of being concerned about getting reelected, you know, he can always twist that game too. So. 
so no, I don't think they really care. I think the Russian people have been repressed for a long time. There's almost it's almost like a sociological uh, uh, reality that of just being sort of have being repressed uh, for so long, and yet for a lot of them, it's still better than what they had, even though in our eyes, it's not, it's not better than what they had. You know, and that's that's really the big problem. Some of them, it's like, okay, we don't mind having a heavy-handed person over us as long as not sending us to Siberia. <laughs> you know, they don't say you can be poor in Moscow. You don't have to be poor in Siberia anymore. You know, yes. And that's and that's really that's, that's really the big that's really one of the big issues. There's this, you know, the sort of mindset of how the people are so used to being sort of pushed that way, and that whether they've actually given up. And they got there, you know, internally inside Russia. I mean, the question is. You know, who would ever stand up against Putin, and what would he? What kind of reprisal uh, would you uh, would, would would come your way if, in fact, you did try to take some sort of civil disobedience or civil action uh, to, in order to uh, deal with the situation? That would be very problematic. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't wouldn't? Yeah, I mean, you'd be petrified to say anything because what right he would just people would be scared. Putin would just kill you because well, he's, yeah, he's done that. He does that well, to people that say mean things. About it. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's it. I mean, it's just you know, you would slip on your tea, and uh, and you would, you know, the bad things can happen to you very quickly, uh, especially if you're politically in the in the, in the mix. That bad things can happen very quickly, so you have to be very careful about about the road that you go down. And uh, you know, this this is just you know, he's you know, Putin has really positioned himself um, inside the political infrastructure in, in Russia to be almost like the czar, if you would, you know, yeah. and. Uh, He's just a czar without all the crowns and gold and crap. He's just a quick, but he still doesn't make him out a czar. He just makes him a different type of czar, you know. Yeah. Which, uh, which is playing well into the, again, it plays well into the, to the psychology. You know, there are lots of that. And then you have to deal with, with the reality of young Russians. And now they want to, you know, maybe they don't really care about this stuff. They just want to go and do their thing and not be bothered with the politics. It's like a lot of young people in America. So they get sort of run around simply because they're not paying attention to their own politics either, you know. Yeah. Now and that becomes a problem. Now I, I, I hear I hear that the the Russians are also doing these like very kind of 1940s style uh, uh, propaganda um, within Russia, very Pravda esque um, about you know the uh, Americans corrupting the minds of the youth, and anyone who disagrees with them is a fascist. Um, you know, uh, we're we're at the same time, both, you know, too stupid to win and so unbelievably manipulative that we're corrupting all of their young people and pulling them yeah, away from the communist revolution. You know, just we're everything that is bad in the universe. Yeah, I mean, it makes us like the big evil, which is not, we now, know, it's not accurate, but certainly... Do played. people buy that? Um, do, do Russians buy that? Because Russians I speak to well, here. Now, these are Russians that are in the States... You know, I haven't been to Russia, but, you know, you would think if you're there, you would just kind of by nature know that so much of what you're seeing is bullshit. Well, but again, it's like if if you're you're being mind-screwed, it's easy to continue to follow that belief or just be ambivalent to... uh, to the political ramifications, you know, and that's, I think, I think that's what happens a lot. I think, I think Russia's learned a great skill from, from Western democracy, which is, you know, create ambivalence and then you can do whatever you need to do, freedom and betterment. And we're just as guilty of it as anybody. And, uh, that becomes a real problem. Yeah. But I, I mean, our, our propaganda machine doesn't come from the government. It seems to be more of a, 
um, it, it's it's a different process. I mean, you know, yeah. you, you do get pressure in your newsrooms to do things a certain way, uh, you know, and you, it can come from management, but it's usually about you know not upsetting an advertiser in a way, but it's not necessarily portray this pop politician in a favorable light and make these people out to be our enemies. Although that does happen, and it did happen with 9-11. Um, people felt tremendous pressure to, to, to not be critical um, of a lot of the presumptions being made and to report that, that you know, particular ethnic groups were more, particular political groups were more likely to be terrorists than others. I mean, that does happen. Um, but it's definitely not the same same kind of way. Yeah, no, not the same kind of way. No, no. But but again, you know, but, but, I mean, part of the you know, I mean, it's one thing that even within democracies, you struggle to to maintain what we call democratic principles and practices, is because the citizens become marginalized. And imagine a scenario like you have in Russia, where the citizens were historically marginalized, that you give them a little bit of forgiveness. A little bit of freedom is better than nothing to them, and that makes it easy to sell, you know. Yeah. So I, I think that's, uh, I mean, there will be some, I mean, even today, you know, yes, uh, the Prime Minister Yatsunov has been, you know, very open about his, you know, when I went to sort of separate the Ukraine, and of course Obama's going to be meeting with him, uh, and they're going to be discussing this issue and uh, trying to find a peaceful resolution. Um, I don't believe Ukraine has the capability to deal with the Russian military. I just don't see that happening. Do you think uh, the Russians would would react militarily? Um, if, it were, if they do, it'll be limited. I don't see it being, you know, an extreme. I don't see an extreme. Uh, they would just kill the people version. they don't like. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you try to minimize. You don't want to look like you're going to come, you know, guns blazing and you know wipe out everybody. But you certainly. You know, no use it to just by, you know, saving the day for the people, for the Crimean folks who are, who are pro-Russian and saving them from, you know, being led astray by the uh, those who uh, believe on either side of the, uh, on either side of the aisle. And that's, that becomes, that's a problem. That's in the room. So that's something in history, that's something that we really don't have any control over. We, we don't have any control over that. And that's the part that, that frustrates a lot of us. You know, we don't have any ability to, to really dictate to Russia. And Russia's proven already his, you know, and just dealing with Obama, he's proven that he's, you know, he doesn't really care, you know. He goes, mm -hmm. we never, we never really pulled the trigger on anything other than a lot of strong statements. We never really have followed the, uh, followed any edicts that would allow us to really do something. Now, this time, he's acting like he's really going to do something. And that's, you know, it's all well and good. If we can find something to do that kind of brings him to the negotiating table, then that's all well and good. However, you know, whether or not that's sustainable, that, you know, that's subject to question. And, yeah. and whether you can get whether you can get the U.S. people behind that is also subject to question. Yeah, yeah. You know, we don't. You know, we don't. Most people don't even know where Ukraine is. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think it's, you know, so. yeah. Americans seem really conflicted about this yeah. period. Because yeah. at the yeah. same time, we want to say, well, we don't want to, we don't want to, uh, you know, tolerate this kind of thing. But and we want to support, you know, democracies, democracies around the world. But then on the other hand, you know, we're not willing to put. You know, we're not going to attack anybody over this. We definitely have a limit to this, and everyone knows we have a limit. Europe has has a limit. They're not going to react militarily. So exactly. Putin kind of has a leg up on this because he can react militarily, and nobody would still respond at that, assuming it's it's relatively limited. You know, if he wasn't, if he didn't overreact, you know, if he, you know, if he killed 
hundreds of thousands of people might that probably most likely would be a problem but he could probably you know go in some targeted strikes and get away with it yeah yeah he probably could he probably could and he's probably got already got those planned out i mean you would think he would you know well, you would hope. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that it will. It doesn't mean that you hope, right? Well, <laughs> we, can, yeah. we can always hope. <laughs> but it's well. but it's but again, it's funny. It is one of these things that you know. I mean, it, we will see how it evolves. But I'm, you know, I I think you know, obviously, especially at this climate where we're just coming, you know, we're trying to get out of the Middle East, Central Asia. And there's just so much political blowback for this uh, for this set right now that I don't think the American public. Mm-hmm. Um, cares enough unless they can try and sell it as being like it's big uh some big uh, you know communist plot <laughs> by the former soviet union or something that does seem to be a kind of a right-wing reaction to the whole thing oh yeah, trying absolutely. to sell it as part of this you know it, it's weird the the right always seems to have this this um uh, uh, kind of fantasy in a way about 1980s yeah, communist fight against communism. But the, but the problem they're running up against running up against now is the fact that a lot of the at least most of the kids that are coming of age now have no recollection, understanding of of the old Cold War. System, yeah, but you, you know? know what? Most of the kids they read about it, but they don't have any sense about it. Really. I, most of the kids coming of age now, I doubt are reading about it. I doubt are, are exactly exactly. They, they don't they don't give a shit. They they show up. They want their. They want to opt in, right? Isn't that the the new thing? They want to opt in yep. to whatever kind of fame they can get, and then yep. and then that's it. They don't care politically. They don't they don't want to think about the bigger picture and actually develop an opinion. You know. Oh no! They, they, no, they just, don't want to do that. No, no, they don't want to vote, which is why they're not voting. You know, unless they get super jazzed about one thing or another, it's not part of kind of youth culture. There's no political youth culture. Um, yeah, no, no, not at all. And yeah. that's the part that you know. It, that's the part that. Uh, that that's that's the big problem. That's the big problem. I mean, mm-hmm. Charlie, how do you how do you change ambivalence? You know, and how do you get people to buy into? Uh, you know, I mean, getting getting politically involved is where it all starts. You know, right now, Russia, the, the, the political involvement has always been relatively minimal. Even though you can call yourself. You can have a, a legislative body and a you know and the president and the prime minister and all these wonderful things in place, but it doesn't really mean anything if it, if the practice is not there. And that's like in Iran. Iran has a major lease, which is a parliament, but all the final decisions are made by them, made by the Council of the Guardian and the Ayatollah. Yeah. You know, yep. So you can you can, so you can be dressed up, call yourself what you want, but the truth of the matter is, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's just that's the hard that's the hard part of it's the hard reality of of this scenario. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's but I think I'm gonna be optimistic. Huh? I'm gonna be optimistic. <laughs> I think I think the sanctions are gonna have an effect. I don't think Putin is as strong as he wants everyone to think within the country. I think he's gonna have to react. I, I don't think the the oligarchs that really run the show will be making as much money. Um, once these sanctions and asset freezes um, take effect, and that yeah. they may have to back, or he may have to back down on the rhetoric a bit, but I, I think that I think that Crimea will stay part of Russia. However, I think there will be a guarantee to keep all the Russian bases there. Yeah, yeah, 
That's my yeah. that's my prediction. See, now, because that's I, not really I, what they I, want. I, they want to keep the Russian bases there in the pipeline. Yeah, but, and, I, and I'm going to play, and I'm usually the optimist as well, but I'm going to play out the other way and say that I think Crimea is going to succeed to Russia. Yeah. And the Russian bases will be there, and there'll be some uproar, and then it doesn't matter. Punch, it'll be just forgotten about. It'll be one of those things people will be pissed about. And, kind of like Georgia. You know, and, yeah, and then it'll become insignificant, and, you know, everybody will make big... And there, there are still Georgian separatists blowing shit up yes. all over Russia. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah that's exactly what it'll play out. Nobody nobody cares anymore. Yeah. And that's what happened. Our memories are, our memories are about, you know, about, about an hour long. <laughs> we don't have any concept of, 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 you know, length of time. And so the, the, the news today will be forgotten tomorrow. And uh-huh. Maybe not even forgotten. Usually for just told in the morning, it's forgotten by the afternoon. So um, that's pretty and amazing. That, and, that's, and, and that's a problem. You know, that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, and, and so... Um, you have to have concerted uh, effort and, and uh, pr- pressure from the international community in order to make some, bring about some change. doesn't mean that, that Putin might concede on some things. I don't think he's going to concede on getting Crimea back to to, uh, no. to Ukraine. I think he, if he were going to do that, he would have made that. He would have would have made a deal to keep the. So will they be Russians or will they be Crimean? Well, that's, that'll be an interesting question. I think it really won't matter. I think they'll just be, it'll be a part of the it'll be part of the Russian Federation, and they'll just be and you know, it's a matter of of uh, they'll probably do they'll probably call Russians. You know, they'll be living in the Crimea, but they'll probably be Russians, you know, yeah. or Russian Crimeans. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 the, that's the game. I think. How long do you think that'll on. take? Um, yeah, you're talking anywhere from now to the end of the year that you can see this all trans. You know, by summer we'll know. What, by summer we'll have an idea of what's going to really happen. The referendums on the 16th. Yeah, that'll tell what, what, what the next what the next step's going to be. And then by the time that happens, but then you go through the blowback of that and all the sanctions and all the he said she said stuff. Then you, by the time this all settles, um, that's a short side fall long side could be by the end of the year. Hmm. Yeah, but it's going to be. Uh, yeah, it's going to be messy, and you know, I, I you know, I, I said last week that I thought it was going to be, it could get a little messy and a little bloody. Uh, not, I mean, but I still think there's going to be some some conflict in this. I don't see it happening without some some uh, with a little bit of blood being spilled. It may not be as significant as the time goes on. And when people wars happen, they tend to start happening right away. This yeah. one seems to be there doesn't seem to be a big push that way. Yeah. They're trying to make it as because once they, because once once Russia goes and starts pulling triggers, then. Their, their international support wanes, and so that comes. So they really put it to need to try and temper what they do in terms of their response. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So stay tuned for the next episode. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't even know what's coming up next. We got to get Faulkner on now that he's mayor. Yeah, and a new police chief too. Yeah, she seems very polished. Yeah, she does. She does seem she quite polished. Very, very polished to me. You know? Yeah. Um, I wonder yeah. how. I wonder if you could break it down, break down yeah. those those walls. You know, I bet she. Well, can. Uh, it may take some time. She's she's so new in the office. She's probably trying to make sure she doesn't say anything the wrong way. So it doesn't yeah. shut up and not say anything or just say a few words. So. Um, yeah, she, she's she, she, she is, she's too new yet to really get to go too far. I think mm-hmm. she is very she's very um, she seems very smart and astute and very yeah. Polished. She seems very likable too. Yeah. She seems very likable too. Yeah, she's, she's like a triathlete. Yeah. So 
that's awesome. You know, it's nice to have you. Know, I mean, it's, I think it's, uh, you know, who it was too early to tell what her legacy is going to be, but as a good yeah. it's nice to see that we've now finally progressed uh, to and cross the gender gap and allow that somebody, yeah. uh, allow for women to have a greater say in this. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. I think that's really awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'd be curious to, I'm curious to, 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 to talk to Faulkner, you know, he's the yeah. supposedly the president of everyone in San Diego, not just the uh, not just the Republican Party. Although at his election, standing immediately to his right and behind him was the chairman of the Lincoln Club, which is a the conservative Republican. Um, oh yeah, yep. uh, I guess you'd call him a pack or they're a club. Um, they're, they're the ones that bought a lot of the they bought a lot of mailers and did a lot of work for Faulkner to get elected and that's yeah. fine but you know that's who they are so yeah, I, payback, I, I wonder payback, I wonder how uh, it's yeah exactly what that means long term and what it means you know is he only is he as open to the other side of the aisle because he has to be or because yeah. the city council's majority democrat or or is there something else or is he really this way? You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, I've talked to the guy. He seems like a nice enough guy, and he seems, you know, to be genuine, and he came across as very sincere and and genuine to me. But I wonder how things will sh- would shake out if he had a Republican um, majority in, on the council. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, like anything else, I mean, we'll have to, we will. I think it's, hopefully we'll get him back on our podcast again and we'll be able to query him on this issue. I think yeah. it'll be very interesting to see how, how this issue states stuff and how he actually comes, how he actually... Especially after he's it. had a little time to do stuff. Yeah. You know, he yeah. hasn't really had that much time to do anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that'll be, it'll be interesting to see what, you know, what, what his commentary would be. And yeah. uh, again, since, since it's early in the game, but, but we want, I, mean, I think everybody's watching to see what his true colors are going to be and hopefully... You know, from what I know of him, and you know, we both know him. You know, yeah. he's a decent guy. So we'll see, figure out how much he's got to, how much is going to be him, and how much is going to be the people who are behind him. And that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the next real sign here. Yeah. Well, until next time. Yep. We'll see you in another week, and uh, stay tuned for the next podcast.